0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary, D W void were prohibited by law, see terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the podcast that would happily sign your pie. This week on Heart and Hand, oh how we love to hear the sheep bleat. <music> So welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host as always and joining me this week is one of the very heavyweights of Heart and Hand. It's none other than the man with all the charm, Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening, sir.
0: How you doing, mate? How you doing? Uh, A a wee win at last against that mob and um, see when you say bleating, I hope we're going to talk about Derek McInnes.
1: Well, we can't not. Um, It's a Rangers podcast, and of course, we will be talking about several, I I thought, very enjoyable parts from the match at the weekend, a good performance from Rangers, and as Hoggie mentioned, finally um, in Glasgow showing up against this mob and making them look like the 10 men behind the ball jobbers that they are. Uh, But I first want to mention a rather bizarre video which you may have seen, it's kicking about social media folks if you haven't seen it, I would urge you to look for it, in which um, Aberdeen it's hard to describe but basically what appears to be a a large and I would have thought deliberately um, overtly homosexual man um, with all the worst sort of homosexual cliches that I thought that you weren't allowed on TV since the death of uh, Dick Emery uh, appears from the tunnel and throws a pie at the Aberdeen manager, Derek McInnes, and shouts, Would you sign my pie, Derek? To which a young, I think ostensibly ground, groundsman or ground worker, dives and catches the pie and says to Derek McInnes, uh, I, I saved you. And uh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm actually sitting here just still gawping at it. I'm still knocked out. And uh, Derek McInnes says, And with a wonderful range of thespianism that I didn't think he possessed. Uh, okay son, you should be a goalkeeper. Now, I still don't know what this was about, and I still don't know why they did it. Uh, like I say, the the 70s gay stereotype apart I mean that maybe how the thinking is in Aberdeen these days. The I was going to say they're 20 years behind the rest of the world. I mean ABBA are still number one up there. But Coming out on the eve of, of us playing them, it just made me think, one, God I cannot stand that tin pot little club. And two, what the fuck?
0: It's uh, yeah, it's it's almost as if their their media team all went on a massive bender for two days mm-hmm. and then got the keys to the keys to the cupboard. Um very strange. Or maybe that's just what passes for humour. Um, I'm not going to tar all Aberdonians with that, David, because there's some very fine Rangers-supporting Aberdonians. I will tar that club with that, however. Yeah. They are they, they, there's a club with delusions of grandeur beyond belief, and it it, it kind of plays into um, those delusions of grandeur. Play into my, as you know, and I, I've been very vocal on the pod previously about it. The way we play against Aberdeen um, And I hope you've noticed I've just gone seamlessly into the football I like um,
1: that, what I yeah. will say so If you haven't seen it, check it out um, It is baffling, It's if it was meant to be Humorous, it's about as funny As a paper cut on your jerry helmet But it uh, it's worth Seeing just so you can sit there and go What the hell, but yeah uh, Going on to the match, now there's been a bit of Fruit between Rangers and Aberdeen This season, I think it's got a little bit Spicy at times And uh, in the week leading up to the game, Stephen Gerrard made the, I think, unarguable assertion that Aberdeen Razor game against Rangers. This annoyed Derek McInnes, who said uh, that that's not true. And it was good of his team to to back him up on that, I thought, on Sunday. But uh, yeah, Rangers took to the field. I think we were all intrigued, hoggy, by how it would line up because. There's no getting away from the fact Rangers had three shambolic performances against Aberdeen and Glasgow. Three desperately disappointing performances where, to be quite honest, it was 270 minutes that Rangers could have doubled and still not scored. Aberdeen had come sat in, Rangers were playing the rigid 4-3-3 formation that that we tend to play against them, or that we tended to play earlier in the season against everyone, and Rangers would be given the ball. Aberdeen had no ambition at all um, because their view was, they will make a mistake, we will get a chance, and unfortunately for for us, they were right. Uh, But Rangers created nothing. We would knock the ball wide, it would get crossed in, their giant centre-halves would head it away, we would repeat the process, they would break up the park and score. And we couldn't quite believe that we did it three times in a row, but we felt going into the match yesterday, Hoggy, we've changed our system slightly, tweaked it, I mean, it's not been a radical change, but we've moved to what's more, you would say, kind of four, three, two, one, the old Christmas tree formation, and we hoped that it would give Aberdeen different problems for there, and I understood why they kept doing exactly what they'd done before, and look, you know, when you've been successful three times in a row, then... It's the converse of of the line for us, you know, keep doing the same things, you'll keep getting the same results. So we were, it was whether or not our changes would be effective and uh, in the end they were.
0: Yeah, they were. Uh, My my biggest criticism, as you know, that I alluded to a couple of minutes ago with Rangers and Aberdeen is for for years, and I'm not just talking about Steven Gerrard, this goes back years and years and years. um, We treat Aberdeen home and away as if they're Real Madrid. And it's it's baffled me for years why we've done it. You know, we did it in, even in the early 2000s when Aberdeen were, uh, you know, they, they were one of the poorest sides, if not the poorest sides in, in the old SPL. And we've done it this season. We've stood off them. We've let them have space. We've given them space in the penalty area. We haven't gone at them. We haven't gone after their throats. And we did yesterday. And it ended up in the second half um, and again, I'm sure we'll come into this. It ended up in the second half, a bizarre game of football to watch because Aberdeen clearly were not interested in coming out. Uh, but you know, focusing on us, we went after them. I think it took us about half an hour or so to really ease our way into the match because we 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 didn't get an early goal. But what we didn't do was what we have done so often throughout the season is panic. We just kept on going on about it. We kept on pressing them and pressing them really high up up, up the park, winning the ball back and knocking it about. What I really liked, though, David, was, and, and Kandias has done this the past few games as well, is Ryan Kent, who came in for Kandias, He is just he's basically been given free rein. Go left, go right, drag them about and see if they'll go with you and open up the space. And when the space opened up, uh, opened up Scott Arfield went into it. Stephen Davis would find him. Glenn Kamara would find him. Uh, Defoe would hold up the ball and bring in the midfield. It was quite, a from about half an hour in of feeling our way into the match, I thought it turned out to be a seamless performance. And then the last half hour, Jesus Christ, it was like Harlem Globetrotter, Harlem Globetrotter stuff. Aberdeen simply couldn't get the ball. Not and, and I should say,
1: not that I think
0: they actually wanted
1: it. No, that's a fair point. I agree with you. The first uh, twenty minutes half an hour quite cagey. I think as Aberdeen were seeing, looked as you know the, the fact fact of trying something different. How's that going to work? And with us obviously having been aware, but of of what had happened before. But what I thought happened was Rangers just squeezed the life out of them. They they couldn't get through that midfield, which is so much more solid and and creative. You know, uh, they they do offer a lot more in terms of trying to play through the middle and as we gradually asserted the game, we moved them and we haven't done that in the previous three matches in Glasgow. They, they, their players could stick pretty loosely to, uh, the, the, or sorry, pretty rigidly to their shape, knowing that we were unlikely to do much that was going to move them. Whereas because we were whizzing the ball about at pace, then going through the middle, and yeah, going wide and mixing it up a little, that they couldn't just re- retreat into... The formation and stay there uh, and that look Aberdeen weren't the only side we did that against you remember the match against St Johnston, the terrible 0-0 draw at Ibrox where it was exactly the same but because we were moving them about we created space and that takes time that's another thing and I think that I, I've seen some people kind of gripe about the performance uh, a little bit So say oh, it was only alright for me and and you're like that's kind of how you have to beat a team like that you're very unlikely to go out and beat a team with 10 men behind the ball and as Hoggy says no ambition to play uh, by five six and scintillating football, it doesn't. Especially if they're competent at that, which Aberdeen are. Um, there's, there's no. It, it's very difficult to do that. You've got to work them outwork them, tire them, and then take advantage. So I, I think that people are being a wee bit unfair in terms of if you're criticising. Well, one of the things I saw was well, we needed penalties. And like, well, if you're doing the whole. We only won because what if we don't get the penalties? Well what if the four scores? If you know you, you can't do what if you need to do what happened, and Rangers I thought were, were more than comfortable. Now, a lot to unpack in the game itself. First things first, uh was the the two penalty decisions. Now I sit in the main stand and uh down at the Copeland end. And I must admit, both penalties, I thought, were fairly straightforward penalty kicks. Um, for the first one, Katic is the ball. The boy times it slightly and stands on top of his foot. Uh, yes, Katic might go down uh, a little bit theatrically, but as we've been told and shown a thousand times, if you don't do that, you're not getting a penalty. So uh, for me, pretty straightforward. And he put the ball, uh, James Tavernier steps up, bit of pressure on him, but he puts it away. We'll come to James Tavernier later. The second penalty, now, I at the time, I thought, oh, that's a stonewaller. And that's why I think you've got to go with your first reaction to what the referee sees as well, um, because it just it appeared that he battered Katic in the face. As the ball was going up, he um, puts his arm out and catches Katic, knocking him down, thought it was a stonewaller. And then coming out the ground, people were saying, well, Stevie G said he didn't think it was a penalty and that Katic was down too easy. Um so I, you know, came home ready to watch it, watched it last night, watched it this morning, and watched it from several angles, and I still think it was a penalty.
0: Um the first one the first one's a penalty. No, no without a shadow of a doubt. Um I have to say Derek McInnes did a little interview for Aberdeen TV, um it's it's on
1: Twitter where Did design sign his pie? Um, no, well, there's no but, fucking chance he'd have a, a minute to sign Derek McInnes's pie. You just need to look at the strainy shirt buttons are under to understand that uh, it wouldn't be in his hand long enough to get a fucking biro on top of. Indeed. I, I,
0: incidentally, Derek McInnes, at every other ground in the country, wears a trackie and a body warmer, and he pitches up at Ibrooks in a suit and a jumper. I wonder if he's maybe um, subconsciously... Uh, he, he, he maybe wants a job after all. But um, first first one's a stick-on penalty, right? Derek McInnes comes out and then shows that managerial hypocrisy where he says he thinks Lewis Ferguson was fouled. He stays on his feet and he should probably have went down. And then he clips Katic, who goes over theatrically. Well, what, what, what do you want? Do you want players going down theatrically or don't you, Derek? It's a foul think you know, Katic, you've got to remember, he's eight foot six. So he's going to look gangly when he's going down. He does go down a little bit theatrically, but it's a stick on. Um, The second one, I didn't think it was a penalty. I still don't. So for anyone who thinks we always agree, David, there we go. Um, I, I genuinely don't think it was a penalty. However, what I will say is Aberdeen are a team of giant hammer throwers who have basically bullied their way through games and elbowed people and barged them off the ball and all the rest of it. I think Scott McKenna in the first game when he got Morelos sent off. Um, so I'm not going to cry into my beer over Aberdeen being done for that one.
1: I don't think they will. Honestly, I, 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 people who listen to this show know that we'll come out and say we got away with one or that wasn't a penalty or whatever. But I, I still think that the boy, I think he's... He, leads with his arms constantly and you run the risk of doing that. But uh, anyway, the, the, yeah, the irony of, of Derek McKenna's doing that was huge because in the first half, again, right in front of me, the, the boy they've got up front, Cosgrove, um, throw in and Flanagan comes up behind him and sort of nudges into him. No no force at all. And Cosgrove does this thing where he sort of leapt up and flipped over. Um, and it was laughable and the ref gave the free kick, but noticeably in the second half as he continued to do it, the referee told him uh, I told him to get up several times because Aberdeen have several players who are really bad for going down the secondary field contact and it's, it's been a problem for us uh, all throughout the season so I, I don't think you can complain You know the whole live by the sword, die by the sword thing but uh, yeah, two penalties put away by James Tavern there, and what a season he is having that takes him to 16 for the season from right back now he should have had a hat trick as well because he scored what? again, I thought at the time, was an onside goal. Uh, He was level, it should have been given. Uh, The whole benefit of the doubt to the attackers thing seems to have gone out the window from football, doesn't it?
0: Well, it does. And I've I've seen plenty of online chat around, was it onside, was it offside? Let's let's clear that up. You can be offside with any part of your body that can score a goal. You're You're not allowed to
1: score a goal with your arm. Mm-hmm. And that's the- oh, his arm is offside. But yes, yeah. as you say, the, the law says the rest of his body is onside because the Aberdeens' player foot is about, I'd say, maybe a, a half a yard behind his torso.
0: Yep. So, Tavernier was was onside. Um, actually, it's something I've, I've really seen all season, probably at any game I've watched in any country, David, that the whole benefit of the doubt to the attackers seems to have gone. And I do wonder if it's a case of... Um, uh, Actually, you know, if, even if VAR was there, the linesman would probably have just let it go, and then the TV can can uh, you know sort it out. So it's 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 a strange phenomenon that VAR comes in, and then as I say, I, I've I've rarely seen attackers get the benefit of the doubt all season.
1: Aye, and uh, it was it was frustrating, but sixteen goals from yes, there, a lot of them are penalties. But when people say that, some people. I don't want to to create a big straw man, but whenever there's a complaint about, yeah, but the penalties, you still have to score them. And it's not easy, especially under the pressure that you find yourself at Rangers. And yesterday, for example, had he missed that first one, then I think that it would have certainly caused a few jitters in and around the stadium. So he has had a remarkable season. Then you add in the assists. And I know that there will always be some doubts about his defensive capabilities, and he drives me up the pole on occasion, as I'm sure he does everybody else, but he really is a remarkably good football player. Um, I I see
0: online stuff about, you know, let's take two or three million pounds for James Tavernier. Really? Um, don't get me wrong, he frustrated when, when he makes a cataclysmic mistake like he did at Parkhead. That drives me up the wall, of course it does. Um, but from the goals that he scores, and if we examine his consistency over what the past four games, I think he's been terrific. I think he's been very, very good since we've moved to that um, narrower midfield shape. What it's doing, effectively, is having almost two supporting or defending midfielders, one of which can break forward when we've got the ball. But effectively, that replaces Kandias as his safety net. Because those those defenders will shuffle across and, and effectively give him that support and Conor Golson will shuffle across one. So actually it's it's the the one concern I had about moving to this shape, David, was how open would the fullbacks be, be? And we've played Harps and we've played Aberdeen and they've been pretty toothless and He's not been exposed. So for me, from, from an overall team shape point of view, it's really worked. I think it's benefiting Tavanier. Um and you know, assists and goals, that's that's bloody difficult to replace, especially if you're going to low ball sell them.
1: Yeah, exactly. If he does leave, then I think Rangers have just need to point out his stats and say, look, he's so important to us, so you might rate him at 5 million, but we need 10 because we've got to replace those goals because he's, he is such an important player for us. And, uh, yeah, then I want to talk a little bit about the midfield because there have been, it's been hit and miss uh, this season, let's be honest. There have been games that they've done very well, and there have been games where we've lacked... I think a fluidity, I think uh, creativity, but it's been very fragmented, very sort of take the ball and maybe turn and just knock it back the way, and a sort of safe football that is really not what we need. But the last month or so, since we've we've had upon this Davis Kamara Jack with our field further up, they seem to just dominate the ball because they're such. Good technical players. All three of them are, are are good in terms of what you would maybe the, the damn them with think praise, but say neat and tidy. Uh, but there was a a moment yesterday in the the seventy third minute where Rangers kept the ball for over three minutes with sixty six passes completed. Now, yes, Aberdeen are not a team that are going to come out and tackle you, but you still again have some quality to do that. And I thought it was telling that for me the difference yesterday was Aberdeen realised they weren't going to get the chance and chances actually, because i have had several in those matches in Glasgow, that they were getting because we weren't making mistakes in the middle of the park there wasn't space to go into and I, I, I do think that the three of them deserve a lot of credit obviously Davis Kamara came in later in the season and Davis struggled badly to find his form Kamara, bar really one mistake against Aberdeen has been, has been terrific and I'm excited about maybe adding in another quality player into that mix and we could have something quite special there
0: We've we've stumbled upon it because Stephen Davis has got is fit, you know. He's he's physically fit and he's match fit now. He's lasting games. Um, I also want to point out how much more of a a footballer does Ryan Jack look alongside that pair? Um, you know, for for too long, I think we've looked at Ryan Jack as, or certainly Stephen Gerrard has looked at Ryan Jack as his main midfielder, and of course we've all looked at it going. That's not enough. But just these past four games, I think he's been terrific. Uh, Davis, for me, has been the key. Kamara has been excellent since we've signed him. So it is a shame that we didn't stumble upon this with a match fit Stephen Davis two and a half months ago, clearly. Um, But these past four games, they they have been terrific together. And I'd also point out, just even the last two games, how much fitter does Scott Arfield look?
1: He does, I just think this role is better for him because he works really hard in midfield when he's in part of a three, but you lose so much and I also think you lose what the other midfielder can bring in it's just shape and we just look a lot better balanced and I think the manager deserves credit for that, yeah we could argue it's taken a long time to come to that but again we talk a lot about it being a learning process for the manager and then it's almost as if we expect him to have a month at it and then Figure it out, and I don't think football works like that. I think it is a bit more complicated, and I think a lot of it is trying different things until you come across it. And, and there was an over reliance on Morelos. It's understandable, but I think having to do without him, the team have stepped up a little bit, and we've we've worked together as a unit really well. And I thought Defoe, Baris finishing was terrific. I thought he worked the Aberdeen defence constantly. Um, he was a, a constant mess, a menace, and you know people had. Uh, suggested to me last week that it'll be interesting to see how he does against two big bohemists like that. Like It doesn't bother. He's come up against this before. There's nothing he hasn't seen in football. It was always a question with Jermaine Defoe as if he, he still had the legs and the fitness and now he does have the fitness. Um, His intelligence and his sharpness cannot be questioned and it took, a I thought, an absolute world of a save in the first half to deny him a goal.
0: Yeah, terrific save. Um, Incidentally, Joe Lewis is, I think he's proving this season that that he's He's an excellent goalkeeper. Yeah. He um, is. and and very much perhaps someone that wants it, that, that should be in Rangers radar. Um because he's been excellent. Um and and I say that, David, as you know, I, I'm desperate for Robbie McCrory to step up when Alan McGregor calls it a day. Um but it was a terrific save. For such a big guy to get down and get a strong hand to to it when it was going right in the corner was was excellent. Um but Defoe was Defoe did his best work, um, somewhat ironically, for a poacher goal scorer outside the box. Dragging himself out wide, but dragging at least one defender with him and creating the space for be it a Jack coming through or a Arfield coming through or even Tavernier to bomb into or or whatever. His intelligence has really, really impressed me. And I guess, you know, there's something that unless you've followed Jermaine Defoe's career, Pretty forensically, you know, you might not have seen week after week after week. I worried that even with a change of shape, I worried where the link-up play was going to come from because I hadn't really seen it from Jermaine Defoe in a Rangers shirt before. But these past four games, he has been excellent in terms of hold-up, bringing the midfield in and scoring goals. Um, Yesterday, he didn't score any goals, but by God, they, they were... They might be man mighty or men mountains at the at the back for Aberdeen, but they they are not the most technically gifted nor the most mobile, and they they shatter every single time we got the ball.
1: Now I've praised the manager there, and regular listeners will know I'm a huge Stevie G Mark, uh, a massive fan of his, and uh, have been criticised in the past for being too uncritical of him. But uh, I am going to this week because the aforementioned comments that uh, he said, and uh, I'll quote him here what he said. Um, for the penalty at the second, I think Nico goes down a bit too early and the boy was unlucky. I feel for him. I hope he gets, uh, I hope his appeal is successful. Now, I was very surprised by that. Firstly, because as I said, I thought it was a penalty. Secondly, and this is the key thing, I don't quite understand what, if you like, the the purpose of it was. Now we all sit and i have done it on here for years where I'll sit and say something that's maybe just a throwaway line and people pick up on it and you think, well, I, there wasn't that much importance in it, maybe it was just words that came out of my mouth, you know. Um but but Stephen Gerrard doesn't really do that, He's very, very well spoken, obviously, but he's egg guarded. You know, he's a guy who's grew up in the spotlight, and usually when he says something he's making a point. Now I don't quite understand. I've seen it posited that, well, he wants Considine to win his appeal and not be suspended for the match next week against Celtic. And I get that to a degree. If it was neck and neck, it isn't. Um, We're a long, long way off them, and it'll take, let's be honest, a miracle for us to win the title. So I don't think that can be used as significant enough reason to do it. Because for me, what... The price of that is, is he's suggested that Katic goes down too easy, which in Scotland, and he knows this now, he's been here long enough, will then be used to beat the player with constantly. Katic will now be in every press comment, in every press conference, and other, Katic is a diver. That's what you'll hear managers will say, well, even Steven Gerrard says he goes down too easy. It's going to follow him. I don't understand it. I didn't get it that even if you do think it, you shouldn't be coming out and publicly saying that because to me all that did was help create a narrative that, that people will be so happy to push that's going to have a negative impact on us because the next time Nico Katic is fouled in the box, a referee who's going to have heard all this chatter will go, hmm, he goes down too easy. If he's not sure, things like that do do play on people's minds and I didn't want to hear something like that from the manager. It's not like him. I'm not You know, I don't love him any less because of it, but to me that seemed a little unguarded and a bit silly. There
0: was no need for it. Simple as that. And you know,
1: if if I can only
0: imagine that he's saying that with one eye on something else, Uh, for example, um, the narrative that Andy Walker attempted to create around Jermaine Defoe. Uh, in the first half, when he tries to get out the goalkeeper's way, the goalkeeper is double the size of him. He puts his hands up to protect himself, and he accidentally, you know, he, he accidentally brushes Joe Lewis's face. Right? Andy Walker went on about it for five minutes about how he how he should have been at least booked, possibly red card, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I just wonder if Gerard's looking, you know, making those comments with that type of thing in mind. If he's not. Then there's absolutely no need to say it because, as, for for all the reasons that you've outlined, David, and also, do you know what? Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, you know, frankly, too bad he gets sent off because he raised his hands again. I've I've said my piece. I don't particularly think it was a it was a a penalty. I don't particularly think it was a foul. But fuck him. How many times have they got away with it this season against us? Pole and players. I'll go back to the last season when Stevie May just about tries to de- uh, decapitate Ryan Jack and it's all laughs and giggles with the press and the Aberdeen manager and so on and so on yet Jack's out for weeks so to help with them. So uh, unless there's an ulterior motive around it from Steven Gerrard please, please can that because there's absolutely no need for
1: it. it it's not his fault that the the reality of the, the situation in Scotland is that people will look for any reason to get, get tore into us and tore into our players, but it's the reality. It is what it is. We can't change that. Uh, well, not quickly anyway. So I didn't quite understand it. And if I was Katic, I'd be a bit miffed um, about that in all honesty because it wasn't like it was an outrageous dive. It wasn't like there was no contact or he had, for example, something we saw last week in a match where a player rammed his ankle into another player. Um, and then pretended to be injured for a couple of minutes. There was none of that. I just I, I, I didn't think it was necessary. And yeah, other people disagree, I'm sure. And that that's fair enough, but no, nah, not for me. Now, something else that happened this week, or last week rather, Hoggy, was that uh we had taken on Liverpool in a uh, a closed door match which is rapidly becoming one of the most famous closed door matches we've played. Uh Liverpool under twenty-threes, it was a four each draw and as I'm sure everyone will know by now. Um, Rangers sent out a lot of squad players, for, I think would be the term. Very experienced team, and we were 4 0 down at half time with the manager labelling the performance an embarrassment. Changes were made, and uh, four of our youth players went on and turned the match with fantastic performances. Um, it was said that the, the manager was very, very unhappy with three players in particular, those players being Kyle Lafferty, Eros Krezda and Borna Barisic, feeling that they they basically hadn't tried, their attitude had been awful, and that this had compounded a feeling that had developed about those three players over the season. And it was suggested at his press conference, not his his televised one, uh, but the one done for the Sunday papers, that he had uh, decided that enough was enough with those three players. And not only were they leaving in the summer, but that they wouldn't be considered for first-team action at all. Yesterday's squad, 18 men, obviously, and a 19 and 20 who were Dappo and Beauty and Josh McPake. The three players didn't make the 20, never mind the 18. Is this the writing-on-the-wall time for these guys?
0: I'd be amazed if any of them feature for Rangers ever again. Um, you know, it, it's. I think it's been alluded to throughout the season, that there's there's problems in terms of work rate, desire, mentality, and so on. The one I'm surprised with, David, is Kyle Lafferty, because he wanted the move back to Rangers. I felt as if he'd he'd crawl over broken glass to get back to Rangers. Um, he made it back, and he's very rarely showed up. Now, don't get me wrong, Morelos's play, you know, Morelos's performances have gone up so many notches that Kyle Lafferty was always going to find it difficult. But, you know, his his time coming off the bench was getting less and less and less. And then, of course, the four signs. So you can only point to what the manager's seeing in terms of desire and uh, work rate, etc. and training and bounce matches is simply not enough. Um, and we've already heard from the manager that if he doesn't get that, you're not in the team. So... Lafferty's the one that surprises me hugely, but I don't think he'll play for Rangers again. Um, the other two came with great high hopes. Barisic, if you remember, started brilliantly and then got a heavy challenge and he was out for a few weeks. And he's quite simply never been the same guy again. It's almost as if it spooked him completely. Um, Grezda, I don't think, he's even started. Um, I wonder if maybe... Or sent, sent his brother or something like that.
1: Don't uh, sign players who are carrying an injury, and I don't mean you know, oh, he's got a a slight strain and he's going to be out for a week. That's that's one thing. But guy hadn't played in two months, and he had to then first of all arrive at a new club, get to fitness. The problem that happens when that when that takes place is that fans judge him, and rightly or wrongly, they make up their mind about the guy, which then means he's under pressure to perform. He's never been able to get fit, whether or not that's a, a, a lingering effect to that, I do not know. But you just don't take the gamble. It's not worth it to us. You know, it's just, sorry, not the right time. We'll move on to a different target because... It it never works out when we do this. Um, very rarely uh, well, maybe there are one or two examples, but very rarely can I think of of guys who've stepped into the side and who've delivered when that happens because it just puts too much pressure on them. I think. Uh, it's not fair to ask them to come in straight after an injury and be at their best. And at Ibrox more than maybe any other club in the world, you have got to hit the ground running. Um, Barisic, I think, he's Jan Bartram. He's a new age Jan Bartram. He's a very talented player. You can see that. He just doesn't fancy the Scottish League, and that will happen. He's not the first talented player. He won't be the last. He's the type of guy, I think, who could go to another league, a better league and do well. And we often scratch our heads at this and say, well, how come he can be a good player there and he can't current in our tin pot wee league it's because our league is weird and unique and physical I mean you just need to look at the two teams we've played recently Aberdeen and Hearts to, to see what we mean by that and I think Barisic is just doesn't want to be here nothing to do with Rangers as a club or an employer but just he doesn't like the environment in which he's playing football and playing his trade Um, and that's why he'll be going um, Lafferty yeah 100% you would have thought that for him he'd worked so hard to get the opportunity and then to actually get that second chance, something that meant the world to him, clearly did mean the world to him. And it's almost like when he arrived at Ibrox, he reverted to Kyle Lafferty version one instead of the Kyle Lafferty that had managed to rebuild his career and his life and bring him back. And that's it done now. He's, you know, he's he only had a two year deal. If he'd done well, I'm sure it would have been extended, but he hasn't. He will, I think, either be sold or more likely go on loan in the summer for a year. And effectively, that's that's the end of his contract. And just a bizarre waste of a wonderful opportunity.
0: I think on um, quickly on Grejda first, um, echo everything you said, David, in terms of signing a player that's injured or a player gets injured very, very quickly and then comes back and, the narrative's almost set. You know, folk expect it to, to, to hit the ground running. In this new age of 2019 and social media, it actually doesn't help the guy's case when he's posting pictures outside every damn monument in Scotland. That doesn't help because folk, injured or not, folk think, oh, he's having a whale of a time on her dime and can't get himself fit. So it just that just extends that narrative. On, on Lafferty... It's um, it's it's odd and it's sad, but just to pick up on what you said there, David, about you know he, he tried so hard, he's reverted back to Kyle Lafferty version one. Yeah, you know, and and you would have expected him to after he worked his balls off to get here and playing so well for Hearts, you would have expected blood, sweat, and tears, but maybe Kyle Lafferty version one is just Kyle Lafferty, um, that. Maybe he just wasn't that good in, in in the first place, or maybe he is very good and i I genuinely do think he's a very good football player and mentally it's he he wants to be number one that's how it strikes me with Rangers always struck me that at heart so he wanted to be, be the number one striker and look at the rest of his career. he was number one at Burnley he wasn't number one with Sion or Palermo or Norwich City, and he struggled wherever he went?
1: Yeah, it's hard to argue, Um, and just, as I say, a waste, and hopefully he will, I don't know what now, I honestly don't, he's he's, he's getting to that stage in his career where there's not going to be opportunities like this again and, and it's just a shame I, I'd hoped that it would work out this time. I thought he would contribute, I didn't think he would be the guy because obviously we've got Morelos who's, who's a much better player but I did think that he could contribute and it's, it's disappointing that it's worked out this way and nice to see that Davis who looked for different reasons like he was going that way is is turning it around and starting to show us that form is indeed temporary and class very much is permanent. Okay then, moving on Hoggy uh, last week saw the official release of the new kits Rangers next season will have uh, uh, obviously a blue home top a red third strip I'm told, I'm told the black and uh, grey strip is the away kit but we'll see what happens with that, an all red third kit um, what were your thoughts on the three kits from Hamel? Um,
0: so First and foremost, I like that Hummel are making a really big deal of it because I think we've said before, David, you know, we could be with Nike or Adidas and in their grand scheme of pecking order, be at number 100, whereas we are far and away Hummel's largest client. Um, so Hummel are making a massive song and dance. The home stri- the home kit, I'm not entirely sold. I'd heard that it was going to be a bit of a take on the eighty three eighty four pinstripe effort which I loved because I was eight years old and um, had both the home and away. Um, not entirely sold on it, to be honest. A wee bit too much detail for me. I like just blue. Uh, the away one, the, the black and grey one, it's all right. And the all red one takes me back to when Nike did that, round about 2000. So I quite like it. I think there's been a bit of, uh, oh, it's a wee bit too much like Aberdeen. Well, You know what, Aberdeen don't own so And I've grown up with Rangers having lots of red kits. Mm. Uh, In fact, my very first away kit was a hand-me-down from my older brother, the red one with the massive red, white and
1: blue collar. Yeah, yeah, the the when strips were proper and the the away kit would be the home kit in a different colour.
0: Exactly that, and yeah. we would, would also take the skin off your
1: nipples. Yeah, they were rough, man. Now, you young kids don't know where you're born with your modern ultralight breathable fabric. Back then it was made of what felt like nylon mixed with rope. And yep. uh, as, as Hoggy said, y- y- the reason that Scottish men grew hairy chests back, I'm convinced this is why, because I've got a very hairy chest, uh, you've got a very hairy chest, people our age tend to, uh, whereas your younger kids today they don't and i think that's what it was we grew up as wayne's wearing these fucking things um that that rubbed our nipples to fuck and our bodies went i've got to grow some sort of defense against that whereas if you're growing up with all this lovely stuff uh, you're not going to bother and you're going to come out looking like a, a sort of baked bean i think but I, I like them yeah i like the the third one or the black one rather i'm still convinced that's it's the that's the third kit, but I, I, I really like that. I like the home kit, I'll need to see it close up to see, because I think in photographs they exaggerate the detail, um, and I don't think it'll be quite as clear and visible, but uh, I like the design, I like the shape of it. The third kit's just a plain red kit, and I don't think you've got to be a marketing genius to work out what they're doing, it's got nothing to do with Aberdeen, it's quite clearly Liverpool, and it's quite clearly an attempt to get people who like Steven Gerrard um, and follow Liverpool to buy a Rangers kit and hopefully it works (laughs) and we sell an awful lot of them so i'm quite happy but it did get me thinking because as i've mentioned i think on on here before in the last couple of weeks uh, i uh, love old strips and i'm a collector of retro kits and I've, i've gone through a wee spell of buying some in and it got me thinking about what are your favorite kits from the past and we'd like to hear from listeners as well so hoggy get the ball rolling you mentioned there that you really liked the 8384 one. I, too, really, really liked that strip. Um, but for me, I'm a great one for the home 85-86 CR Smith. And I say I know it came out before that, but the CR Smith one, I, I like it with the, the sponsor. That, for me, is as good as football strips ever got. Yeah, uh,
0: my, my two favourites, in fact, let let me give you a very quick story for I don't think I've I've told this story in the flagship. When I was ten years old, when that strip came out, um, I was I was one of these kids that was forced to go to church. Um, and how quickly did
1: I grow out of that, David? We, we uh, all I mean, I had to go to Sunday school every week. It was just part of the. It was part of the eighties. If you were a Protestant, you went to Sunday school. Um, And I'd imagine if you were some other faith or denomination, you went there, but I was from coining and nobody else was of another faith or denomination.
0: Indeed. So on on Christmas Day, so Christmas morning, I got up and lo and behold, Santa's brought the Rangers strip, full strip and a new pair of football boots and shin guards. Christmas morning, uh, we, except my dad, who didn't go to church because he thought it was shite, um, we were all off to church. And the minister of the time in the Pollock Shields Church of Scotland, um, basically, he, he was right into telling stories to the kids and loved having the kids in the church. So basically said, on Christmas Day, bring your favourite f- uh, favorite, favorite Christmas present. So I went to church on Christmas Day in full Rangers kit, shinies and uh, football boots. And another wee chap went with his new Bible. So, um, yes, and... I'll I'll give you one guess and you probably only need one. Uh did the minister prefer the full ranger strap or the bible and the answer is not the bible. <laughs> um so so yeah that that one was excellent but the other one that I really really loved and it's both the home away was the one that came after that. Uh the the original Wee Squares Umbro mm. one um modeled by Morris Johnson.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, no, I love that one as well. It's a it's a classic. In terms of uh, Away kits, what are your favourites there? For me, I love the Adidas kits in particular, but the uh, white Away one is an absolute beaver.
0: It was, but um, Away kits for me are summed up by Davy Cooper and that Umbro strip with the V-neck mm. and the blue collar with the uh, blue and red uh, stripe across it.
1: Well, folks, uh, me and Hoggy are two old farts. Our kits were obviously going to be from back in the day, but uh, do you like any of the more modern ones? Perhaps you're a lover of that horrible 2004 2005 strip. or oh, sorry. Two, yeah, yeah, 2003 2005 strip. Let us know uh, what your favourite one is, and we'll we'll see if that. We'll get on a Hummel and we'll say this one. That's what that's the one next year. That's the one that we're after. But uh pre new kit available for pre order on the jazz store online if you want to go and have a look at that. That'll do for me and Mr. Hogg this week. We'll be back on Thursday with Heart and Hand Extra previewing the match against Hibs this Sunday. But why wait? Why wait till then when you could be listening to a whole host of fabulous stuff over at patreon.com where Hart and hands have their own channel and we put out minimum three shows every day sometimes as many as five and they do everything we cover everything to do with rangers we cover most things to do with football and we even cover a few other things to give you a laugh on top of that it's very much worth what we charge for it which is just 1.99 per month for the basic uh the basic package so please Come along and see if you like it. It's well worth checking out. Our thanks then to our producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles, and my thanks to the ever-wonderful Mr. Ian Hogg. Pleasure, everyone. Have a great week, everyone. I will talk to you again on Thursday. Until then, take care. (laughs) Bye-bye.